So today I'm going to talk about Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God that heals. There are over 72 names of God, and every name of God that we find is a way that God reveals himself. And so today we are going to talk about Jehovah Rapha. Everybody say Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha. Now, one of the interesting things to know is that in the Old Testament, God reveals himself as many names. But when Jesus comes, the name of Jesus contains every name that God revealed himself in. So I just want you to be aware that when you call on the name of Jesus, you also are calling on the name Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord who heals. Amen. So our first scripture that we're going to look at today, anybody believing for a healing? Hallelujah. I know that this is going to make mess with some of y'all religious sacred cows, but I'm going to just go, out, go on out here and say it because, you know, um, as a believer, you have just as much right to be healed as you do to be saved. Sickness does not belong to you. Make that confession. Say, sickness does not belong to me. Now say it this time like you actually believe it. Say, sickness does not belong to me. And what I want to do is I want to give you so much word today and get you so full of faith that when your head hurts, that the first thing you think is, wait a minute, this doesn't belong to me. How you get here? You got to go. That when allergies flare up, you go, wait a minute, I've been delivered. And so how did you get here? Because you don't have the right to be here. See, believers have to begin to believe that anything that, that comes to you that is not from God is in your life illegally. And if it's in your life illegally, you have the right to kick it out. If you came home after church today and just found somebody up sitting in your living room, eating your potato chips, watching a football game, you wouldn't just say, well, hey, I guess you, I guess we gonna be here together. Would you? You'd be like, what are you doing here? How did you get in here and you need to go? Well, some of you would curse, but we gonna get you delivered from that too. Amen? Amen. But I'm trying to get you to understand that sickness is illegal in your body. Say sickness is illegal in my body. And some of you have been managing sickness so long in some form that you don't even realize that it is illegal and it doesn't have the right to be there. Amen. So I want to, before we go to Exodus 15, I want to give you these four core beliefs that you have to have if you're going to be a victorious believer. We've been talking about this is our year of great victory. Say, this is my year of great victory. I'm going to tell you the four things that you have to settle forever if you are going to walk in faith and be a person of great victory. You want to know who they, what they are? Number one is this. God is exactly who he says he is. Number one, God is exactly who he says he is. Number two, God does exactly what he says he will do. Number two, God does exactly what he says he will do. Number three, I am exactly who God says I am. So number one, God is exactly who he says he is. Number two, he does exactly what he says he would do. Number three, I am exactly who he says I am. And number four, I do exactly what he tells me to do. And if you will settle those things, I'm going to say them one more time because that has to be the foundation of every believer who's going to live in a supernatural lifestyle. That God is. Say God is. God is. Exactly who he says he is. And God does exactly what he says he will do. And I am exactly who he says I am. And I do exactly what he tells me to do so this whole thing is exactly amen <laughs> exactly he is exactly so when God reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha he has revealed himself as healer he is who he says he is he says he is healer so what do healers do 
So he does exactly what he says he would do, which is what? And then I am exactly who he says I am. What did he say I was? Healed. So then I do exactly what he tells me to do, which is what? Be healed. Say, I am healed. Hallelujah. Let's look at Exodus 15 and 26. And I'm going to tell you this. Studying healing scriptures ought to be a part of your lifestyle, even if you're not challenged in your body. Because if you already convinced that he's a healer, when sickness shows up, you don't have to try to convince yourself. So you ought to study healing scriptures just in the event that healing should try to play, sickness should try to play a game with you, that you would already know who you are. Exodus 15 and 26. Do you have it? He says, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord and will do what is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on thee, which I have brought up on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord who continually heals. Say, my body is continually being healed right now. You say, oh, but I'm getting older. But I read in the Bible that the Bible says that when Moses was 120 years old, that his eyes did not wax dim. It says, and this is what it says, when Moses was 120, he didn't even need reading glasses. Because I am the Lord who heals you. What's his name? Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord that heals. Now, I want you to think about this, because if you grew up in church, you know that one of the things that you hear every week in church growing up, especially if you are 70 or 80s baby or younger than that, right? Every week in church, somebody was going to take you to the cross. They were going to tell you that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Depending on where you went to church, he might have died all night Friday night, all day Saturday, and all night Saturday night, and then what? But what? See, you didn't go to church with us because at our church they say, but early, right? Early Sunday morning, he got up. And they use that scripture over in that story over and over again to tell you that you have a right to be saved. In that right to be saved is also the right to be healed. Jesus did not just die for you to go to heaven. Jesus died for you to be able to bring heaven into the earth. Nobody in heaven is sick. Let it sink in because I know you've heard dumb things. I told you I was going to kick over all your dumb, sacred, religious cows. I just want to make a couple things clear for you. This is free, okay? When people die, stop saying God needed an angel. I'm just going to help you. People don't become angels, first of all. So let's just deal with the Bible. People don't become angels. So don't try to comfort somebody's grief to be like, oh, God needed an angel. No, the Bible says God has so many angels going around him 24-7. They are crying, holy, holy, holy. God did not kill your grandmama because he needed an angel. God does make, not make people angels. In fact, it says that he created man a little lower than Elohim. The word Elohim means God. It means that he created mankind a little lower than God, not angels. In fact, the reason that you know that you are higher than angels is because if you were not higher than angels, you would not have authority to speak to the devil who is an angel. I want you to know your Bible so the devil can quit playing with you. I just want you to know your Bible. So that's why I got three Bibles. I read more than one Bible because I don't want the devil to be able to play with my life and, and, come, and use religion to teach me some dumb stuff. Okay, so, well, you know, let's deal with some more sacred cows. Well, Pastor Sean, you know, maybe sickness is the will of God. Okay, okay, let's follow me. I'm, I'm going to work with your theory. Sickness is the will of God. If sickness is the will of God, then every doctor, every nurse... And every over-the-counter medicine is a worker of the devil. 
Because if sickness is the will of God, then it would be wrong for you to take something to alleviate the punishment that God is trying to give you. If God had to give you sickness to teach you something, then don't take no Excedrin. Take that headache full on. You see how stupid that sounds? And if sickness is the will of God, then show me one time where someone came to Jesus because Jesus is the expression of God in the earth. And one time that somebody came to Jesus and Jesus said, you need to stay sick because the Lord is trying to teach you something. Tell your neighbor, say, God does not use sickness to teach his children anything. Now what happens is, is that when people don't really believe in the power of God, you have to justify what you could not deliver as a lesson from God. So we have to come up with ways to try to make God palatable to us. So someone had to get sick because God wanted to teach them a lesson. So you mean God who owns the whole universe, who part the Red Sea, got to give somebody cancer to get their attention. Sickness is from the devil. Say that. Say sickness is from the devil. Well, how does sickness get to be from the devil? The Bible says that God created Adam and Eve, put them in the garden. Nobody in the garden was sick. If sickness was the will of God, then why didn't Adam start out with arthritis? I mean, he could have just started out with allergy problems and bad sight, and, and it, it wasn't the will of God. And so what happened is, is that God gave authority to Adam. He gave authority to Adam, and then Adam gave his authority to the devil. When Adam gave his authority to the devil, the devil was able to wreak havoc in the earth. Every bad thing in the earth is from the devil. You got to settle that. All the bad stuff from the devil. Say all. 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 And as long as you think that God does bad things to people, you'll never be able to stand for healing because you never know whether your sickness is a result of God doing bad, something bad to you to teach you some kind of lesson. It's, it is. It's garbage. Say it's garbage. You got to uproot that stuff because most of you grew up in places where every time somebody couldn't explain something, they put it on God. Can I? Okay. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. But I wanted to say this to you. Um, God didn't give your grandmama sugar diabetes. Cake did. Cake, soda, homemade ice cream, a chest pie, rice pudding. That's what gave your grandmama sugar diabetes, not the Lord. Let's go to Proverbs 4. I just want you to dig up all that stuff. Because if you don't dig up all that stuff, then when sickness comes in your life, you'll be like, oh, well, God made somebody that way. No, sin makes people that way because sin is in the bloodline. That's why you have to be born again to get a new bloodline. It doesn't mean your mama sinned. It means sin is in the bloodline since Adam and Eve, which means that sin can. Let me ask you a question. A germ, is a germ good or bad? I love it. Smart people who paid attention. Germs are both good and bad. The good germs came from the Lord. But all the enemy can do is wreak havoc and counterproduce and pervert what God already does. So then he makes some germs bad in order to steal, kill, and destroy. Tell your neighbor, say, you got to pay attention in school because it'll help you understand the Bible. <laughs> Proverbs 4. Because some people's like, bad, bad. Not all of them, guys. Not all of them. All right, let's go to Proverbs 4. You learn anything today? Who is our healer? Both of those. Yeah, both of those, okay, either one. Whichever one you call on first, that works, right? But you need to know that when you call on the name of Jesus, you are calling on the name of Jehovah Rapha because Jesus is a representation of everything that God is. 
Amen. Let's load Proverbs 22. Let's go start at verse 20. It said, my son, attend to my words, Proverbs 4 and 20, and incline thine ears to my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those that find them. Say the word, the word is, life is life to whoever finds it. Notice it didn't say to whoever reads it. Because everybody who reads it didn't actually find it. It says that it is life to those who find it. What does that mean? You found salvation. How did you find it? Over and over again you heard the message of salvation. And then one day you went, ooh, that's for me. You have to read the Bible until you go, ooh, that's for me. Because when you find it, it becomes life to you. Until you find it, it's just memorization to you. But God didn't call you to memorize the word. He called you to find the word so you could be transformed by the word. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's keep going. It says, attend to my words, incline thy ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes, but keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life to those that find them. And what's the rest of that? Health to all their flesh. The same word that created the heavens and the earth has the ability to give you a new kidney. The same word that when Moses struck the ground and the Red Sea parted and they crossed on dry line, land can give you new eyes, can help you hear, can fix your cognitive issues, can fix ADHD. That same word, it becomes life to those who find it. But if you believe that what they said is better than what God said, then you will spend your life living with what they said when God was offering you what he said. You have to make a choice to take the word and eat it. I'm going to give you a very practical example of those that you understand. When a new song comes out that you like, what do you do? You listen to it. And over and over again. And then you shazam the lyrics. And then if you really a student of songs. Now I'm a student of songs. So I go find the meaning. I want to know. I want to dissect. What did they mean? What does this word mean? What kind of purse is this? Where is this place right here? What am I doing? I am finding the song. So the song will become life to me. The reason worship don't move some of you is that you ain't got no life in you. <laughs> because if you listen to a song, if you li some of you just sang Kiki. I looked it up. I wanted to know who the three Kikis were. Because I wanted to understand what I was singing. So that it had life when I sang it. But if you don't know Jesus any more than a little baby in the, land, in the manger, then when you sing about Jesus, you think about a little baby in the manger. But I want to tell you that the lamb grew up and he's a lion. The lamb grew up and he's a lion. <laughs> no, no, no. The lamb grew up. The lamb, he was a lamb, but the lamb grew up and he's a lion. I was saying to a friend the other day, the part of the problem with religion is that you keep trying to make God fit into your box. So what happens is, is that people try to present God in a way that's powerful to them. I'm going somewhere with this. And so the people who know God, here's a great example. The people who know Jesus as a friend, they're like, Jesus is my friend. Oh my God, Jesus is my friend and we just, we just hang out together, Right? The only problem with that is that if Jesus is just your friend, listening to him is optional. Because I don't always do what my friends think I should do. So, and because you judge friend by your standing a friend, you don't realize that in the Bible he said, if you my friend, keep my commandments. So you're singing about being a friend, but you're not actually a friend because you don't actually do the thing that make, okay, 
Anybody ever had anybody who thought they was your friend, but you knew they weren't? I know y'all don't want to tell it. But somebody who thinks you're friends, they call you a friend, but you're not their friend, right? When you don't keep God's commandments, you singing about being his friend don't make you his friend. Because he said, if you're my friend, keep my commandments. Okay, that was for free too. Listen, Jehovah Rapha, let's just keep, I just want to help you. Okay, Exodus 23, 25 and 26. Say the word is life and flesh to my bones. Say the word has the power to heal me. The question is, do you have the power to believe? The word has the power to heal you. Say the word heals. Well, Pastor Sean, you said Jesus is a healer. You said God is a healer. What do you mean the word heals? In the beginning was the word and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the word's name is Jesus. So the word, Jesus is the word. The word is Jesus. God is the word. The word is God. So the word has the power to heal you. You ain't got to spend the rest of your life brokenhearted over somebody who broke up with you when you was 21. You just don't. You don't have to be, I'm never going to love again. It, it just sounds stupid. No, you can be healed from the fact that you got your heart broken. Then you can listen to the Lord and then ha- go on and love and live. God heals. Say, God heals. God heals. Look at your neighbor say, whatever your sickness is, God heals. He heals from pornography. He heals from lust. He heals from sexual confusion. It ain't no issue you have that God does not heal from. There is nothing he cannot do. And what you have to do is take the restraint off God and stop making God just a lion, a lamb because he is also a lion. Who It's a good thing for him to trouble the thing that's troubling you. See, the tension of God is the same tension that's in most of us. I said to somebody yesterday, I am a woman of peace. I am also a woman of war. I would prefer to be a woman of peace. But if need be, I can be a woman of war. So you need to understand that the re- it's a good thing for you to be saved because you justify so when But God still does have wrath. His wrath just not against you. You better hear what I'm saying because people are trying to tell you God don't have wrath anymore. No, God still has wrath. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians, it says it's a righteous thing for God to trouble your trouble. Pastor Ellen was talking about that day that something got on Canaan and she screamed. I didn't go to the door. I didn't run to the door as a woman of peace. Because she screamed like she needed some help. So I went to the door as a woman of war. I was fully prepared. To deal with whatever had her screaming like that. I want you to know that when I went to the door, I actually thought someone was snatching her out the yard. It did not stop me from moving any faster. Whatever it was that was coming against her, I was prepared to come against it. You need to know that you have a God that when sickness comes against you, he is prepared to come against it. But if you believe that the sickness is bigger than your God, you tie his hands. I can always tell people who believe their sickness is bigger than their God because they talk more about their sickness than their God. I always know who's biggest to you based on what you talk about because people who believe their sickness is more than their God, they go, my depression, my anxiety, my so-and-so, I caught the But people who believe they're healed say, it's some symptoms that's trying to raise up on me, but I already know that they don't have any authority over me. And so what I'm doing is getting in this word to remind myself of who I already am. You ain't got to know all the scriptures on healing, but you ought to know something. You ought to know something. Tell your neighbor, say, this Bible is filled with the healing power of God. It is Filled with the healing power of God. People who had lifelong issues, people who had birth issues, people who were dead, who got raised up, people who, one man got healed, one man got raised from the dead because Jesus just happened to be walking by and he saw his mama crying. And his compassion moved him. And he touched the casket and the boy jumped up out the casket and Jesus told the man, told the woman, take your son home. But that wasn't the first time that it happened because if you read in 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, the son had died and Elijah went and breathed and raised him up and said, take your son. 
So to believe that healing has stopped because Jesus is gone doesn't make sense because healing was in play before Jesus showed up. This Bible is filled with healing. So I just came to tell you that if you are sick, God wants to heal you. He has made provision for your healing. Just like he has made provision for your salvation. But no one can be saved unless they believe. No one can be healed unless they believe. Amen. I just want to make this statement to you. The same blood that saves heals. If you don't write nothing else down, for all of those who post on social media, that's what you should post on social media. The same blood that saves heals. So you mean God saved you out of all your mess? You mean the, me the mess you didn't tell us about, that other mess? Because, you know, most people got a church testimony and then they got a real testimony, right? But I'm talking about he didn't just save you out your church testimony. He saved you out your real testimony, the stuff your best friend don't even know about you, the stuff you thought about doing but you didn't do. That time that you did it and you don't think nobody know. that All that stuff right there. If the blood can save that, the blood can heal anything in your body. The blood can heal anything. The name of Jesus. Why am I preaching this like this? Because I got to get you to understand that the same Jesus that saved you is the same Jesus that heals you. He heals and saves. And so, you know, you have, listen. You know you don't have to live bound by sin. Maybe nobody told you that because maybe that's the first part we need to start at. Getting saved is not just about going to heaven. It is about being free. The power of God has the ability to free you. We have to preach a gospel that tells people they can be free. You may come a fornicator, you ain't got to stay one. You may come a liar, but you ain't got to stay one. You may come a backbiter, a gossiper. You may come with 27 diagnoses, but you ain't got to stay that way. So I'm going to give you some testimonies and some scriptures, and then we're going to pray for the sick. All right, so listen. Years ago, my sister, who's not here today, but she goes to this church, this Shannon, she had an aneurysm. She was 24 when she had an aneurysm. She was at work. We lived in a small town. They had to airlift her to Little Rock. She got to, to Little Rock. She had, a, had an aneurysm. They did surgery on her. And then she had another aneurysm after they did the surgery. They said to us, she will not walk out of here. They said to us, she will not talk. She will have to go to physical therapy to get all of that stuff back. She was in the hospital, I don't know, four or five weeks. But when she walked out, she didn't have to go to physical therapy. They said, the experts, the best that they had, said this is the process. But God said, no, nope, that's not the process because y'all praying. I'm going to put my super on top of your natural because I know that the doctors are doing the best that they can do. But they're limited in their ability to restore brain function. So I got to do the part that they can't do. So anyway, long story short, they told her she would never be able to work again. They told her that she would have to be on disability forever. She moved to Dallas, and then she came and she started living with us. I don't know how old Punkin was, but Punkin had like 37 medicines that she took every day. Like, I'm not joking. She, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Her table of medicine looked like a store. And we started saying, now you know God ain't called you to be on all that medicine all your life. And you know God didn't call you to be on disability all your life. You're not even 30, girl. That's not the best that you can live. And she started coming to church, and she started believing it. And then she would go to the doctor, and they would say, you don't need this medicine anymore. Your so-and-so is working out. You don't need this medicine anymore. Your so-and-so is working out. And so then she said, you know what? You're right. I don't want to be on disability for the rest of my life. I think I'm going to get a job. So the Social Security Administration told her she could work part-time. She went to work part-time. She was doing so good. They started wanting to promote her. Then she found out. Then she ended up coming off of the diagnosis that they said was forever. She ended up getting a job, getting promoted, 
working, going back to school, getting a degree. Wait, did I mention that before all of that she had a baby, but they told her that she was never going to be able to have a baby? I'm telling you, it depends on who you listen to. <laughs> it depends on who word you take. Some of you stuck because you just took the wrong person's word. You just let the wrong person be God over your situation. Anyway, so long story short, a couple of years ago, I think it was about three years ago, they found that one of the aneurysms was trying to come back. Well, one of the words that God had given us is that they would never have to open her head again in order to fix that, right? Guess what happened? When she went to do it, they had come up with a new procedure that didn't require them to open her head in order to do it. So they just ran it through her nose so that her recovery time was fast. Some, you don't hear what I'm saying. Some of you, some of you already been told you're going to be on blood pressure medicine. How you 30 going to be on blood pressure medicine for the rest of your life? You know diabetes is reversible. Do you know that there are people that have been healed from HIV? Do you know that there are people that have been healed from STD that they say there's no healing for? There is nothing too hard for God. Somebody asked me one day, they said, um, what do you say to the people who don't believe in healing? I said, I don't say nothing to them because I don't experience healing. Why would I argue with you about something I know is real? All right, let's look at these scriptures. I'm going to give you four scriptures. I'm going to tell you another testimony. And then we're going to pray for sick. Anybody faith rising? I'm telling you, we've been having people who needs been getting healed. Amen. I'm going to give you another testimony because this is so dope. So the other night in our spiritual, um, I do a supernatural work sh uh, class. And so last, on Friday night, we talked about healing. And so I said, we're, I'm just going to pray for people. Do the whole class on Facebook because tell your neighbor, say the word goes everywhere. So I didn't touch these people. I don't even get to see them. And so I started praying for people to be healed. And I got this word that somebody's neck was going to be healed. And so it's always a little odd when God gives you something about a, something specific because you're always like, am I making it up? Like, what? Uh, okay, let's go with it, neck. Anyway, this girl comes in the group. This is what she says. Here is her testimony. Twelve for twelve years, my neck has hurt. I was hit in a head-on collision, and the doctors had done everything they could do. My neck hurt all the time. I had just come back from dropping my son off at college and had to make a seven or to eight hour round trip in the car and I was in so much pain. But when you said neck, I put my hand on my neck and when I took my hand away, my neck didn't hurt anymore. She said it is the first time in 12 years. The first time in 12 years years my neck doesn't hurt she said the next morning she woke up and she said she woke up because anybody who lives with chronic pain knows this you wake up looking for the pain she said i woke up looking for my neck to hurt and it didn't hurt and i remembered i got healed that same power is here to save you don't have to have you don't listen women you don't have to have bad menstrual cramps that's not in the bible you took it because somebody told you it belonged to you. It doesn't belong to you. That's a part of the curse. You've been redeemed. You don't have to have hard labor. I remember when I first, God gave me a word. He said, you're going to have your babies fast. And I, I was declaring it. And everybody who had had a baby, they was laughing to me. They was like, that's not the way that works. I was like, all I know is God said it. They was like, they was like polar baby. I had all of my babies faster than they had one of theirs. Because something powerful happens when you choose to believe the word. You may look crazy when you believe the word. I had one of my kids so fast that the doctor didn't get there till the baby was all was. They was like, they would say stuff like this. Every time we go, they would say, well, we think it's going to be like seven hours. And I go, no, it's not. And then I say, I'm about to have this baby. And then they would go, no, you're not. And they go, you only dilated to three. In about 30 minutes, I say, Edwin. You need, well, not that calm, but I would say, Edwin, <laughs> you need to get them. The first time he was like, what do you mean? I'm like, you better get them because I'm going to have this baby. And every 
time they would run in, it would look like a scene from ER. And babe, is that the truth? They would come in and they would go, there's no way you're about to have, oh my God, get the thing, blah, blah, blah. And then the baby would be there and I'd be like, see, because I have what I say, not what you say. And then Tay was my fastest delivery because I didn't even have to have her, praise the Lord. I think God is the reason she, I think she the reason I got that word to begin with. Like, you ain't got to do no hard labor to get what belongs to you. Let's go to Numbers 23 and 19. Tay, I want to thank you for being my best labor. God bless you. Numbers 23 and 19. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Numbers 23 and 19, we almost done. God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should repent. Does he speak and not act or promise and not fulfill? Tell your neighbor, say, God doesn't lie. God doesn't say, doctors lie. God say, you lie. you lie. But God doesn't lie. <laughs> no, you lie. I know you think you don't, but you lie. You lie on accident sometimes. You lie before you realize you lied. You be down the road, you be like, why I say that? That didn't even happen. You lie, but God doesn't lie. Do you know I know people that the doctor said was going to die in six months and they still here? They just practicing. Say, they just practicing. We appreciate them. We really, really do. They doing their best practice. But what if you had as much faith in God as you do in the medicine they gave you? Because I know you have faith in the medicine that they give you because if they give, they take you, if you give, if they give you medicine and that medicine doesn't begin to heal your body, you go back to them because you expected that medicine to do what it said it was going to do. What if you expected God to do what he said he was going to do? Think about it. You will take the medicine even though they tell you you're at risk of this. You may get gambling addiction. You may get into porn. You may run around and find yourself prostitute. Your knees may hurt. You may find the back of your legs is itching. You will still take the medicine, but you can't trust God who comes with no side effects you take one medicine and it take away your sexual desire so you get another medicine to get your sexual desire back and then you got dry mouth and then you got dry mouth you take a medicine for the dry mouth and then the medicine make you eat too much and then you eat too much and then you get fat and then you take medicine to lose weight but you can't trust God who comes with no side effects Jehovah Rapha, the God of no side effects. Hallelujah. Shout, he is my healer. Y'all watch them commercials where they tell you all the side effects, but if you get sick enough, you'll still take it, but you can't try Jesus who comes with no side effects. Woo, Glory. 1 Kings 8 and 56, there has not failed one word of his good promise. There has not failed one word of his good promise. Some of you are like, well, there are some things I was believing for and they didn't come to pass. I guarantee you dropped the promise. He didn't forget. Well, God said I was going to be happily married, but I'm not happily married yet. Don't drop the promise. There has not failed one good word of all of his good promises. Say, God doesn't lie. Say, doctors lie. You lie. God doesn't lie. Psalms 119.89. Psalms 119.89. Years ago, we used to hear this lady preach named Sister Sandy. And so I have lived by this. Sister Sandy said the Bible will preach to itself. Like, you don't really need me. You just need to learn how to read your Bible. If you learn how to read your Bible, you will get excited all by yourself because you'll get to reading your Bible and you'll be like, wait a minute, hold on. You mean to tell me that this is the God that I serve? You mean that my God parted a sea and brought three million people over? And I just want to make you know that in, Psalm, in, in um, Exodus 15 where he says, I am the Lord God to heal you, he then goes on and keeps that promise because he brings three million people into the wilderness and says there is not a feeble among one among you if God can heal keep three million backsliders hidden who don't even know Jesus yet if God could keep them healed under the old covenant 
I read in Hebrews that we have a better covenant by the blood of the lamb for which there is a forever sacrifice that never need to be a lamb slain again. If God could keep them whole under having to bring cattle and bring sheep, you mean to tell me Jesus can't keep sickness out your body? Psalms 119. Somebody faith rising. Somebody healing going to manifest today. Somebody's healing is going to manifest today. Forever, O oh Lord, your womb, your word is settled in heaven and stands firm. His word is settled in heaven. When we pray, how are we to pray? Thy will be done. How? On earth. Where? Because it's already settled where? So I settle it in myself. Then I come into agreement with heaven. And what's in agreement in heaven becomes my reality in the earth. Man, if y'all ever get to know who your God is, you will be unstoppable. Jeremiah 1 and 12. Jeremiah 1 and 12. Shout, he's my healer. Jehovah Rapha. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 1 and 12. It says, then the Lord said unto me, thou hast seen well, I will hasten my word to perform it. That word hasten means to watch over, look after, protect, and stand behind. Ooh, did you hear that? So when God gives you a word, he's watching over it. He's standing over it. He's protecting it, and he's standing behind it. When God, I said when God gives you a word, he is standing over it, watching over it to protect it, and he's standing behind it to ensure that nothing that the enemy does can stop that word from coming to pass. Shout, I got a word. Got a word. Hallelujah. Does God keep his promises? Yes. Does God keep his promises? Yes. Don't doubt God. Doubt your doubts. Because we already established that you lie. So doubt your doubts. But don't doubt God. Because God cannot lie. Hallelujah. John 10 and 10. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he does most of that by lying. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he does most of that by lying. Most of the stuff that you are struggling with now is the result of you believing a lie. Somebody rejected you, so you believed you were rejected. Somebody said X about you, so you believed that you were that. Somebody gave you a diagnosis, you believed it was true. After Chase was born, they told me that every time I ever was pregnant, that I would have toxemia, and I would have to be on bed rest. I was never on bed rest. I never had toxemia. I never had high blood pressure again, because just because they said it didn't make it true. What have you believed? What have you believed just because they said it? Hallelujah. Jehovah Rapha means the one who heals, cures, repairs, mends, and restores. I'm going to say that again because that covers everything that could be wrong with you. The one who heals, the one who cures, the one who repairs, the one who mends, and the one who restores. He is your first physician. Say, God is my first physician. God is my first physician. It's not that I don't ever need a doctor. It's that I just never believe the doctor over the first doctor. Hallelujah. Let's go to Romans 10 and 17. Shout, I'm healed. Say, when God saved me, he also made healing available to me. Say the same blood, the same blood that saves, saves heals. heals. Do you know in order to stop sinning, you have to see yourself as being free from sin? You know that's how you stop doing stuff? You know you start doing stuff because you see yourself doing it. You know, you know most people never turn up on accident. People start talking about turning up on Monday. On Monday, they can't wait to Friday to turn up. And then they never go, well, I don't understand how I got here because you spent your whole week talking about how you was going to turn up. 
Five days, you go, I'm going to turn up, I'm going to turn up, I'm going to turn up, I'm going to turn up. What if you said, I'm going to live right, 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 I'm going to live right. I'm going to live right, I'm going to live right, I'm going to live right, I'm going to live right. You said, oh, I'm going to give him some this weekend. What if you said, I'm going to keep my cookies, 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 I'm going to keep them, 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 I am going to keep them. You would keep them. Because your life follows what you say. That's why we tell you to guard your mouth. That's why when you get a diagnosis, you shouldn't be on Facebook. I want, listen, listen, I know we Facebook live. I'm just going to tell you. Everybody who pray don't pray to the same God. Everybody who pray don't believe the same thing. While we was praying for God to speak, it was people, I mean, while we were praying for Jordan to speak, it was people who were praying that we would accept that she wasn't going to speak. It does matter who prays with you. Say it matters who prays with you. If you get sick in the hospital and you get a bad report, why would you call your non-believing family up in there to be crying and hollering and cussing out the nurses and stuff? You need somebody who got the ability to hear God, to say you're going to live and not die. You can't even get them to come to church. Why in the world would you have them in a dire situation with you talking about, I want you to believe God with me? It matters. It matters who you hang with and what they believe. And everybody who praying ain't praying for healing. I tell Pastor Edwin all the time, I watch how people respond to other people in crisis because that let me know whether I tell you if I was in crisis or not. I watch how you go to bat for the people that you love. Because how you go to bat for the people that you love lets you know if I will ever ask you to pray with me. It's just the flat foot truth. Some of y'all, I went and asked y'all to help me pray over a paper cut. You mess around and have staph infection in it. Girl, you know, Pashon, you know, my cousin, she had a paper cut one time, and then uh, uh, she got some kind of bug, and it began to eat up in it, and then she lost her thumb. I'm telling you, you got to watch people who do that, because people are trying to tell the enemy is using their mouth to bring doubt into your life, which is why you have to guard your health when you are standing for your health. Everybody don't need to be in your house. Everybody don't need to be over there calling themselves praying for you. We want people who believe God is a healer. Do I have anybody who believes God is a healer? And if you don't, that's cool. You just got to be honest enough that when somebody says, I need prayer to just be like, well, I'll be honest. I'm not the one you want in this. But let me go get so-and-so because they believe. Amen. We almost done. Let's look at Mark 5. Mark 5, Mark 5 is the story of the woman with the issue of blood. She had the same situation like the woman with the neck. She had been in a situation for 12 years. But one of the things I want to point out about the situation in Mark 5 is that the Bible says that she had had this issue for 12 years and she had gone to all these doctors, say all these doctors. All those doctors, guys, they weren't scam artists. They were doing the best they could. Their best just wasn't good enough. And so they had, she had spent all of this money. She had gone all to all of these specialists. And they said, ma'am, there is nothing we can do to stop this bleeding. But at the same time, there were people who was talking about, hey, you know what? Jesus was at, at Peter's house and his mother-in-law had a fever. And Jesus touched the mother-in-law and the mother got up and then she cooked for everybody. We had a whole barbecue. And then somebody was like, man, but did you hear about when he was at such such house? And they tore the roof off and they let their, and their four friends let him down. And then he got up. And he got healed. And somebody was like, hey, and you know this guy, they was blind, and now we can see. And then somebody else was like, man, you know it's those lepers. You remember those lepers outside the city that nobody would let talk to? And they came in, and their leprosy was gone. Hey, you remember that man that had all of them demons in him, and they had to keep him in the cemetery? And that woman said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who y'all talking about? They said, oh, Jesus. You know Jesus from Galilee, Jesus from Nazareth. He's healing people. And she began to gather in herself, and she began to say to herself, if I could but touch him see if you use your sanctified imagination here's what I believe because you really got to understand the situation that she was in not only has she been bleeding for 12 years but she was in a situation that if they had found out that she was out and she was bleeding they could have stoned her to death 
So it took a lot of faith to know that she could be stoned for touching a rabbi and deciding that she was going to touch him anyway. But this is what I believe was happening as she was walking on her way to him. She was saying, yeah, I wonder if he can heal me. Well, you know he healed blind Barmaeus. Well, you know, they tell you remember sister so-and-so told me about that time that that man had them demons. Uh-huh. You remember Mary Magdalene? She had seven demons on the inside of her, and now she's walking with him. You know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going to press on in a little bit. And I believe that the, some of the crowd around Jesus, some of the crowd around him, they was walking with me. They was like, oh, this was my son, and my son used to throw himself in the fire. But now Jesus healed him, and that's why I'm waiting wherever he was. And somebody else said, you know what? I was there at that picnic where he fed everybody with that fish sandwich by the time she got to Jesus her faith was on fleek her faith was on 100 she was like all I gotta do is touch him I don't even need him to stop but wait a minute Because I need you to know there may be somebody in here and you've been struggling for 12 years and you may be wondering if today is your day. But if you'll press your way, you'll find out that even while he's on his way to deal with somebody else's dead situation, that he can heal your situation too. She began to say within herself, if I could just touch him, if I could. See, you don't realize that your faith determines your healing. Some of you say, I could get healed if I could just get Pastor Elwin to lay hands on me. Some of you say, "Uh uh-uh, I need Pastor Kristen to lay hands on me. Some people say, I got to have all and three of the elders. Some people say, I just need a word. Some people say, send me a prayer cloth. Some people say, if I just lift my hands, I believe my hand will go all the way up. But be it unto you according to your faith. Because whatever you need, that's what God can provide. So whether you need to touch him, lay flat, run around the room, lift your hands, whatever it is, he will meet your faith. I'm going to tell this story. Listen, because I'm trying to get you to understand. Because some of you like, man, I want her to hurry up and pray for me. I want you to understand that it's the word that heals. You could be healed right now. You ain't got to wait on me to pray for you. You could take your healing by faith right now. You could take your, your healing by faith right now. I heard the Lord say he's healing a blood disorder right now. Somebody has a blood disorder and he's healing that blood disorder. And if you're watching, I'm telling you, when you hear it, it still belongs to you because the word can be sent. Hallelujah. See, I'm just trying to get you to push. I'm trying to get you to push. See, because that woman pushed. See, some of you leave church because it's hot. That woman pressed through a crowd of a multitude of people because when you really get serious about getting healed, you don't care nothing about it being hot. You don't care nothing about being hungry. You don't care nothing about your neighbors looking at you. All you know is that if Jesus got what I need, I want it and I'm going after it. So let me tell this story and we're going to believe God for healing. So this woman, she gets fired up because everybody's been testifying about Jesus. That's why it's so important for you to tell your testimony. That's why when God heals you, you got to tell somebody. That's why when you get a raise, you got to tell somebody. That's why when your marriage gets restored, you got to tell somebody. Because the Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So we say, this is what the blood said. And this is my proof that the blood said it. It's now my reality in my life. Tell your neighbor, say, that's why you got to tell your testimony. That's why you got to tell your testimony. Because the very thing that you're believing for, somebody else is believing for. And when you receive it, they go, wait a minute, God healed cancer, me too. God healed HIV, me too. God healed anxiety, me too. No, baby, that's the me too movement we're in. Me too. Me too.
I dare you to go and find in your Bible where it says, and they brought the masses to him and he healed them all. And they brought everybody that was sick to him and he healed them all. I read a translation last night. They said they brought the multitude to him and he laid hands on and healed them all. He healed them all. He healed them all. Baby, Jesus ain't the pool of Bethesda where only one person can get the troubled in the water and get healed. He can heal us all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Faith comes by hearing. That's why you got to hear somebody say that God is a healer. That's why you got to hear somebody say God is a healer. Tell your neighbor, say, that's why you got to hear somebody say God is a healer. That's why you got to hear somebody say God is a healer. I need about 1,300 of y'all to stand up and tell somebody God is a healer. Hallelujah. 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 I feel God in this place, baby. I'm telling you. I know that some of you think this is just hype. And some of you think it don't take all of that. But to the person who just wrote on the broadcast that God healed their blood out of, they don't think it's just hype. They know it's real. Glory. Let's go. You know the movement. Baby, this fourth quarter, we about to win this game. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. wouldn't go to no church with no dead Jesus that didn't never do nothing. I wouldn't serve a God that didn't heal no more. I wouldn't serve a God that couldn't still raise the dead. I wouldn't serve a God that couldn't fix your blood. We don't serve fake Jesus. We serve the most high God. All right, all right, all right. We call for supernatural assistance today. I want you to lift your hands and begin to cry out for supernatural assistance. We want supernatural assistance. Come on, heaven. Bring the fire. Bring the wind. Bring the rain. We want supernatural assistance. Yeah. So there was this woman... And this woman had this issue of blood. And she had had it so long that I believe the people stopped calling her by her name and started referring to her by her issue. Some of you been referred to your, by your issue so long you forgot your name. But God knows your name. And he's giving you your name back. Ah, woman with an issue of blood. But there's a slight problem with her situation. There's another man, Jairus, and he needs a miracle too. And his miracle seems to be more dire than hers. Because he has a daughter who's to the point of death. And she's also 12. So one woman has been bleeding for 12 years. And a man is trying to save a baby that's only been here for 12 years. He goes to Jesus and his faith says, if you will come to my house, she can be healed. <laughs> but there's another woman who said, if I could touch him, I could be healed. So Jesus tells Jay, I, was, I will go with you to your house. And as he's going, the woman reaches down. And grabs him. And she grabs him with such faith that he stopped. And he said, who touched me? <laughs> the disciples went, Jesus, look at all these people. What do you mean, who touched you? <laughs> he said, no, no, no. 
That was a different touch. See, some people just touch me because they want to be able to say they touched Jesus. But some people touch to make a withdrawal. Some of you come to church to check it off your box, but some of you show up to make a withdrawal. So Jesus is looking for who touched him, and she's scared to say something because she wasn't supposed to be out there anyway. So I reckon that she's excited, but she's trying to figure out how to tell her testimony and not get stoned. That's another message for another time about how they'll stone you for your testimony. But so she's a woman. Any women in here know, does any wife hate when your husband is supposed to tell you the story and he don't tell you all the details? He go, how was the meeting? It was good. What? Who was there? What happened? What they say? So you know that when this woman finally had the courage to tell, baby, she told Jesus all her business. She said, look at Jesus. Listen, I'm here. I'm going to tell you the story. Listen, I'm going to try to make it quick. But listen, I, for 12 years, I had this issue in my blood. And I went, at first, it didn't seem like that much. And I went to the doctor. And then the doctor gave me these pills. And these pills didn't work. And then they had me take the serum. And then I kept bleeding. And it was a year. And then my husband left me. And then I didn't know what I was going to do. And then I kept going. I got so focused. And I didn't know what to do. And then GD started crying. Because you know when you tell a good testimony, it's going to be some crying and stuff. And then Jay Iris is like, hey. Like, I ain't trying. Like at the church when we ready to go eat and somebody's still talking to one of us, the other people in the background like, we hungry, we pray for everybody for an hour, let's go. Right, so Jairus is like, let's go. But Jesus is giving this woman his full attention. He's giving her his full attention because he is impressed by her faith. Your faith will get his full attention in a room full of multitudes. It'll be a million people and they'll just go, church was good and you'll go, but I got healed today. <laughs> Somebody will go, church was excited today and you'll go, but I got my mind back today. <laughs> so anyway, she's telling her story. Jesus then turns around and says to her, your faith not only healed you, your faith made you whole. In essence, what he said to her is that because you had faith, you're now going to recover everything you lost with those doctors. Now, she was happy just not to be bleeding and in pain anymore. But now Jesus says, I'm going to give back to you everything that you lost because of those doctors who didn't know how to heal you. So your faith has made you whole. I want you to understand that God is not into partial healings. He is not into just some of you getting better. He is not just into 40% of movement of your arm. He wants the whole arm to move. He wanted to go all the way up the way it was designed to go up. He is not into just 60% of your brain capacity. He wants your whole brain to work. He wants all your bones to heal the way that they were supposed to. God don't just halfway do anything. Everything he does is to make you whole. It's to make you whole. As he's wrapping up the testimony, in comes a well-meaning person. It's always a well-meaning person in any Jesus story. And they say, hey, Jairus, there's no need to bother the master anymore. Your daughter has passed. Can you imagine what Jairus had the opportunity to feel and Jesus knew it? So he turns to him and he says, only believe. Don't fear. Fear not. Believe only. I know what they told you. Keep looking at me. You told me if I came to your house, you believe I'm still going to your house. Do you see I'm still going to your house? I'm still moving to your house. Don't get moved. So Jairus follows Jesus and they get to the house. It's always somebody there crying over a situation. It's always a bunch of people with pity and no power. Always a bunch of believers who got a bunch of pity but no power. Oh, I'm so sorry. They crying. Jesus says, she's not dead. She's sleeping. They laugh at him. Their laughter disqualifies them from seeing the miracle. Because they laughed, he put them out of the room. Some of his disciples must have laughed too because he only took three in. Some of you, when God is trying to tell you what he's going to do in your life or do in somebody's life, you laugh and you miss the opportunity to see the miracle. You just get to hear the testimony, but you don't get to be a first-hand participant. I want to be a first-hand participant. We were in church one Thursday night, and there was a guy named Cameron Brewer. You can look him up. This is a real story. And Cameron Brewer had a leg that was an inch and a half shorter than the other leg. 
And he sat down on the floor. He was telling us that. And we was just like, that's just not true. And he so shows us his leg is an inch and a half shorter than the other. And we say, we should pray for this leg to grow. Who was in that service? Yeah, we should pray for his leg to grow. And we begin to say to his leg, we're not touching him. We just say to his leg, we say, grow in the name of Jesus, grow. As we're standing there, his leg starts to grow. Man, listen, we go crazy because all it took was a little bit for it to grow. We was like, and then he was like, no, no, it's better than it was. We like, no, we going all the way. We say, grow leg in the name of Jesus. Nobody's touching him. But every time we tell that leg to grow, we're watching it. Inch out, inch out, inch out, inch out, inch out until his legs are lined up. The other day he was talking about it on social media and his mama said, I know it's true, one of his legs had always been shorter than the other one. He had had that issue for 18, 19 years. And because some people chose to believe in a band room. Anyway, Jairus gets his 12-year-old daughter back. The one with the issue of blood gets her 12-year issue resolved. I don't know if you believe in for something back or something resolved. <laughs> but what I know, what I know is he's well able. He's well able. He's well able. He's well able. He's well able.